Hey friends and listeners, before we get going here, I would love to share with you a promo from my friends over at Ghost on a Train. I've had the pleasure of speaking with them in an upcoming interview and would love for you to go and check them out. Enjoy! We interrupt your scheduled audio programming to bring you this message from Ghost on a Train. All right, guys, I'll ask the question we always ask when we encounter something. Uh, does anyone recognize them? Uh, Hannah, you look like you have something. I mean, that's the question you usually ask when our characters run into a ghost so we can collaborate, but right now we're doing a promo, not playing. Are you talking about yourself? You're Greg, you're the GM. Is this a bit? We always do bits, Hannah, but your character, Andrel, isn't the one leading the bolts. That's Stefan's character, Drix. Stefan, what's Drix's first move? Uh, do, do any of these moves work on promos? Normally we're a team of three goons keeping ghosts off of our train, but I guess Drix is gonna try and impress the listeners with a rope trick. Awesome, what do you think you would employ to impress a listener? Finesse, right? I mean, obviously, Drix is the show off. A guy, you spoke before anyone could organically say your name. Quick, introduce yourself, and what's your character, Pip, doing? Oh, you just introduced me. I'm Guy, and Pip's gonna take a little bit something to, to warm him up through the promo. You're taking Greg's weird promo bit in stride. Well, Hannah, that's because I know listeners have already decided to hear our journey to bust the biggest ghost, the immortal emperor. But you guys don't even know if he's a ghost. Boxcars, I rolled two sixes. The listeners are going to check out Ghosts on a Train, where we play Ghost Lines by our man J-Dog, a.k.a. John Harper. Wait, we don't personally know John, we can't say that. <laughs> Shut it, Greg, we're gonna kill the J-Man's immortal emperor! You can't just- We're gonna bust this whole thing wide open! Yeehaw! Listen to Ghost on a Train, a Ghost Lines actual play. Take a trip on the Bride of Duskwall, an electric train protected by these three, uh, professionals. You're listening to the Ironbound Chest. Our topic for discussion this month is imagination. And today, I'm sitting down with Sean from Dungeons and Pop. Let's add some wealth to the chest. Hello, everyone, and thank you for opening the Ironbound Chest. My name is Austin Moraga, and today I'm joined by Sean, a.k.a. Rackham, from Dungeons & Pop. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Love having new people on every time. Uh, I'm really excited just to get to talk to you to have your thoughts on our month's topic, which is imagination. And to kind of break that down of the sort of things we'll be talking about, imagination in the sense of all about how we perceive the games we play through our mind's eye. Uh, but before we really dive into these questions, I would love to know just how have you been? How have you been this week? Pretty good. I've been just been trying to catch up. I've been working on audio or the uh, audio for next Monday's episode of Dungeons and Pop. It's it's been interesting. Uh, we moved to an arc format because everyone kind of realized it was instead of having me like have to like take a break every couple months or so because i i work a full-time job on top of doing the podcast yeah it was easier to have like you the arc so like everyone can take a turn dming so i have time to prepare oh that's really cool i know also know the struggles of having a full-time job and having to do something like this so <laughs> i feel i feel you so much man i ask each of my guests a golden question and the golden question is what do you treasure most about D D? I well, this is a controversial opinion, I think, because I always do, and I and I get what people say when they say like not everything can be translated to D and D, but I kind of have like a rare experience, I think, because I started, I have, I, let's put it this way, I've both played and DM'd D and D for over a year before I bought any of the books at all. Nice. Yeah, because my first in, my uh, first experience into it was uh, Taz. Okay, and, and so I kind of took an experience from that. Where like I think that's one of the things people say they really like about on the when they come on the show is because uh, I don't actually know the rules and I just kind of like wing it a bit that they have a they have a fun time uh, playing because you know it's it's a lot it's a little bit different than what they expect because i kind of like i kind of like uh 
I take my experience. I've taken some of my experiences from like playing uh, Monster of the Week, that kind of thing, and applied that to D and D. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of those systems where, yeah, people are right when it's it's kind of if you go if you go hardcore by the rules, it's clunky and all that. But it's in a it's got this rare thing where like if you just know the basics, you can um, adapt. You can make it easy for people to play. I would agree with that very much. Uh, I I actually also kind of started like that. My my first experience was with the Adventure Zone as well. And I've said this on other interviews, but my my first experience really into D&D was DMing. And I, I was totally, I never bought a book. I, I really didn't dive deep into the rule sets as well. And my experience with it though, with, with my players was, for me at least, it was just awful because I was doing everything wrong. I was railroady. I was I was actually incorporating some rules from Pathfinder, and it just wasn't working out, though. But I I love the way you did it because I feel like anyway it, it might fit well into this month's topic because I would feel like if you didn't go off of any books and you just you know started like that, then it really would kind of let your imagination really take the reins. In the same sense of as a musician might, you know, a self-taught musician has a, a lot more creativity sometimes than a musician who was, you know, uh, schooled and taught, you know, and stuff like that. So I, I love that. That's a really interesting answer for that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's kind of funny because I'm thinking about it and looking back at the episodes. Like we spent these players spent a whole episode in a pizzeria, and they, I think they. <laughs> The most, I think I did the most roles because there's an M, we have kind of like an NPC that I play that's sort of like a member of the uh, pension team because, and then it, it's kind of fun because like they, that's one thing I actually like about my players is like I've, I've talked to them several times about, hey, maybe you guys should be taking over this character because I know people are going to think that it's NPC like, look, no, Gabby's fun. We enjoy playing with her. I don't think it's going to be the same. It's it's kind of neat. Uh, it's yeah. kind of neat playing her because I I made her like literally as kind of like a surrogate, where like as a character she's so um, new to everything. Like there's like a thing where I where one of the when we went to the pizzeria, one person had been there before, so they knew how to eat pizza. And other ones from a warrior tribe, so they start eating it. <laughs> eating it backwards so then like there's a joke like i rolled and i rolled like a I did like a simple d20 to figure out who she falls and i got literally a 10 <laughs> so it seems like you already just from from your uh descriptions of your your game it seems just really really <laughs> fun in a pizzeria i love that um i would love for you to give a brief uh explanation or as much as you would want to anyway of of your show um, and and what you guys do. And I guess it, you're saying you're on arcs now, maybe the, the latest arc you're on or whichever point that you're up to. I'd, I'd love for the listeners to get an example of, of what you guys are doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dungeons & Pop, the name came from Sid because we were doing a pulp culture thing because I had... The funny thing is the show started out because um, this there's a supplement called lasers and liches which is like the 90th thing ever it's like it actually oh. like, so like as like power ranger um oh man classes neo from matrix classes um hollow knights and like a friend of mine really wanted to play the game and, and i was like i just found uh not a- i think it's anchor i found the anchor app so I was like you know maybe let's try this as a podcast and so we we start playing through it, and we some other people had some ideas for some games. Um, and with our new change, we're basically we have like several campaigns. I've always described the show as kind of like a, a tabletop variety show, like the old old school shows where it'd be like a bunch of different cartoons at on for the full hour, and depending on the episode was what cartoons, which is something we we kind of went full tilt into when we after we took the month's break, like about a month ago. And so, like, we started out with uh, Lizard, our, the guy who normally would do, like, our uh, monster creation episodes. He's running mm-hmm. a Monster of the Week campaign called Fictional Heroism, which is using a backdrop I did, which is kind of like a cool world 
Roger Rabbity third person or the whole idea. The whole idea is like fictional characters coming to life, which is kind of fun because the the name of the episode or the arc is Peach's Pig Mystery because uh, we have someone playing the searcher class, kind of like a Agent Motor, but they're a character from a a romance novel, so they're literally looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, pop culture would be the best thing to do. I love how you called it the Dungeon Variety Show. That's good. Uh, it seems to be fitting very, very well, though. Now, you mentioned before you did, uh, you guys like swap DMs. Now, how does that work uh, for you guys? Basically, we're doing like, I think we're up to like eight. We haven't put out episodes for all of them, but we have like eight different campaigns. One one that's going to be coming out. We don't know when the first episode is going to be out. Like Sid's running a demise, one that she calls demise. I will admit we did steal something from the Adventure Zone because someone pointed out that the uh, campaigns have kind of had like a letter saying like there's Adventures with Attitude. Breaking Point was our first monster of the week, and then we uh, made a then uh, another person's doing a D and D one called uh, Capers and Cataclysms. And then uh, fictional heroism, and then there's the demise one that uh, Sid is running, where it's uh, amnesia D and D. That's gonna be so much fun. Ooh, that'd be good. That'd be really, really good. I'd I'd be really interested in hearing that. Oh, yeah. Well, it seems cool though. Uh, I I love that you're. I I don't know. I've I've heard kind of like that mixed uh, feelings about having your inspiration come from Taz from the Adventure Zone, but it's such a such an influential podcast, especially for D and D like that isn't something as serious as critical role, you know? Uh, and I think it's from what I've heard, like the people who are just like, Oh, you're just trying to rip off Taz. I'm like, well, they're a big influence. Why would you not want to, you know, emulate something you were influenced by, but also have your guys, you know, dungeons and pop own take on it, which I think is perfectly fun. And, you know, something that allows you guys to really flex your creativity on that, which I think is really, really cool. I would like to know though, for a, uh, one of the questions, uh, what image or what first forms in your mind when you think of D and D first image with D and D is, um, well, I don't like anything. Like I, I just feel like it's, it's fantasy, anything, in my opinion, like, the first campaign I ran that wasn't a part of the podcast was literally just like a Bioshock meets Super Mario Brothers meets uh, D&D. That sounds super cool. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I'm really, really curious. Well, it's, it actually shows up in the podcast. It's what Corpulence is. I kind of introduced the setting as one of the continents in uh, Jesselheim. Like, I can't remember what really inspired it but like i wanted to do something kind of neat i was looking i gotten this uh supplement on making races so i made like all these different like a little uh nods to super mario enemies so like uh there were goomblins so they were goblins <laughs> with uh brain fungus style mushrooms on top um there were the gnolls which were like the shy guys oh man and i I tied kind of a common writer into it a little bit. Like there was, there was a, there was a, and the big one of the big bads was named Bano. <laughs> so like it was like this guy who was really experimenting on people, and like even like I even I admit I even took so the name of the 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 organization for the big situation before the party showed up called a uh, Shokar. But I had this idea where like it was this cult that uh, decided. Oh, you worship your gods? We're gonna we're gonna make our own by uh so you know, sacrificing a bunch of people. Oh man, that's good. I really do like that. Uh it's very interesting the way you do that. Now you basically saying like you incorporated it into what you guys are doing now in a ways, yes? Yeah, like I made it a co- I made because it, it was set on an island, so I put that island in into the world. I like that. That's a really cool way to do that. It's good because it's, you know, if it's something that you enjoyed previously, you know, obviously if something that's not being recorded, you know, I feel like 
hell yeah, just put that right back in there, have some more fun with it, even expand on what you had can be something that's really, really fun. But I want to know, though, so you're saying you're swapping DMs and everything. Do you play a character? Oh, yeah, I actually do. Um, on I haven't done any of the D&D ones that have come out yet, but mm-hmm. in the Monster of the Week campaigns, in the uh, first one, Monster of the Week, Breaking Point, I played... Was there, uh, I feel bad. I should remember. I should know the character's name. <laughs> <laughs> but I was playing um, Dallas Richard. It was kind of funny because um, we originally were going to. Sid uh, was originally going to do a Monster of the Week game that we're still trying to figure out a way to do it. And we did like a episode zero. So that one I played Laszlo at Richard. So I used the Pararomantic book. So it was like it was like this uh, simple simple hockey playing gentleman who uh had uh uh basically romanced a vampire interesting and it was something that was actually something kind of kind of neat that it's kind of like one of the things i like how like or with there's not a dm antagonist thing because dallas's back history he's an ancestor of laszlo and the dm for Hmm. breaking point eric had a character in that and i as when I was building a searcher, I was looking at it, I was like, oh, you can have a companion. So, like, this was, like, a surprise I pulled on Eric, because I got, like, you guys are going to, you're going to love my character introduction, because it's going to let you play something you haven't had a chance. And like, oh. So when we did the uh, character introduction, I was basically said, my character has a uh, ghostly companion, and it's actually his character from the original uh, Tales of the Untold Monster of the Week. Oh, man, that's so cool. I love that. It's like a really sweet gesture, too. Yeah, it was, and it's a lot. Of, we've had so much fun on it. Like, there's a point where he was given a car, and you just have to hear the episode because it's just everyone's like, "Oh my god, what are you having us do?" Like, because we had to had him return a cop car to keep from uh, <laughs> incriminating us, and everyone's like, "Oh, so they're gonna see a car, a car with no driver?" I was like, yeah, they're like, "Oh, it's gonna be one of those new." self-driving car they didn't know the cops had it and i'm like well either that or they're gonna look at it and they're gonna look at what you're drinking and they're gonna assume they're hallucinating <laughs> oh my god that's good oh man you guys are doing a fifth edition dungeons and dragons what inspired you guys to turn it into maybe not turn it into but what inspired you to take a more modern approach with it because it sounds like you know you had the pizzeria, you had the cop car and stuff like that. Is it is it all modern based, or you guys have more of the the classic you know swords and sorcery kind of thing? Kind of a mix of both. Part of the pizzeria thing came from since where we started with the lasers and liches supplement, so it like include incorporates a lot of like ninety stuff. So like la- literally lasers. Um, <laughs> some of the enemies in it are pizza slimes. Oh, that's great. So we kind of went back where I thought might be fun to have a pizzeria um and i thought it was kind of like a neat way to like kind of introduce the anarchism where like it's it still has some it has kind of it's like a mix between the two so like they still have characters still have swords and stuff but there's also like pizzas there's a joke about how there's a uh grinny pad which is a nod to one of our uh, nod to one of our listeners our uh affiliates friend or one of our friends of the podcast and i thought it was just like a neat way to kind of mix things up to incorporate i think it's kind of neat i like that anarchism and that pulp culturism like i almost want to say like we kind of take a almost a rick well i don't want to say rick and morty but i like i like referential stuff um yeah like i've been um i like there's a lot of stuff like there it I will admit there is a My Little Pony reference that they may eventually run into. That's how that's how <laughs> culture it is. That's awesome, though. There, there is an art artificer they might run into who managed to turn themselves into a pony, and they haven't bothered to turn themselves back. That kind of thing. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Because that's so awesome. And the best part is he actually has a he has a semi sort of rational reason for it because he when hmm. asked he'll say no one suspects the pony. <laughs> no one suspects the pony. I love that. I'm gonna have to start using that. Do you feel like 
TTRPGs such as D&D helps expand your imagination? Because it seems like what you're doing with this, you know, this modern setting, well, actually just with D&D as a general, you know, you're molding into this modernistic setting and you are, you know, expanding on that with pop cultures and stuff like that. But do you feel like your imagination has been, you know, helped in any way by what D&D allows you to do? Yeah, not well, not just D and D. I want to say um, Powered by Apocalypse. It, I think it helps a lot. It, it, I like doing tabletop RPGs. When I and the funny part is when I started RP role playing, it was in more of a a open setting like text and all that. But mm-hmm. I like tabletop RPGs because the system lets you gives you a backbone to maybe make something crazy that you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't think of. Um, there's a private game with Wizard that I actually have a character who is, I did like a fun warlock thing where like, because the warlock the character I was playing is actually the demon they had, they were a, is actually their patron. Ooh. Because they had actually made a deal with the human that the body was like, hey, um, I'll give you, I'll give your body power if you take my over to at least with Swatch switch places and it's it's necessarily she was a fun character to play because i was working backwards from a demon like being in a real world and like she has all these um positive quirks but she came from such a horrible place like she had she has uh, had all these dogs and it was (laughs) kind of like a cop it was like a cop procedural in the underdark kind of setting so he she was on the uh basically on the 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 dog squad <laughs> and it, like i did it gave me some interesting ways to come about like um she actually reads to children by the time oh. we before we ended it and it, the funny part is the reason why she got the job is because she was so passionate about making sure the children knew the truth about the demons <laughs> and she literally oversaw someone over reading a book that had like some stuff that was factually wrong. Like, no, that's not how it is. It, and oh, she interjected. That's interesting. Now, now is this, you're saying this person is one of your players or is it one that you had created? Oh, the character is a player I did for one of the players' um, own private setting. That's that's really cool. Now, now, how do you do your, your private settings like that? How does that function? A lot of it is just, um, it's, it's kind of funny. Eric and Lizard on the podcast are the main people from the that group. Well, Sid's also from another one, but it's a lot like we just try to schedule things. But the mm-hmm. the mainstay has been uh, quote unquote Sunday Sunday Monster Hunt is the name of the server. The fun thing is, is uh, the other two people who are participating in that are actually going to be popping up on the show as part of uh, our Souls D and D session, uh, the Capers and Cataclysms I mentioned. Interesting. And one of them, actually, one of them has actually been on the show, uh, Storm on from Monster Mash. They're mm-hmm. actually coming on as a player. But you're excited about that? It's going to be that's interesting good. to see. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, did you ever have any big hurdles getting into uh, tabletop role-playing games like D&D? Sort of. Uh, I had like this, Why I for a while I had been in Adventure League, mm-hmm. and the person DMing it was very old school and there was like, that almost turned me off for a while because it was um, like, we were, we were actually thinking uh, logically. So he was like, he got really upset about it. And then, uh, so like at one point, like we, like he kept on rolling all this stuff. Like you can't target an invisible creature at all. Hmm. Which was which was kind of sad because like there was a point where I was sneaking into a room as a ranger and I picked up perception on it. So I did a, I can't remember this. There's a spell where it's like a, it's the arrow spell where it becomes a multiple arrows. Oh, um, I want to top of my head. It's like volley or something. I can't remember exactly yeah, what like, it's called. Yeah, now. like yeah, like volley of thorns or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. So I hit hail it. Hail of thorns. Oh hail, yeah, hail of thorns, and so I hit it. And then the press of the party came in and just, it was like kind of like, you know, he was like, you can't target this creature. It, it's something where I kind of, I ended up stopped going to that, the Venture League. That stinks. I, I would think that I wouldn't know why you wouldn't be able to target a creature like that. I mean, if you've hit it with an arrow, 
wouldn't you think that maybe the arrow is probably still sticking out of it and your party members could see it though? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, the ruling is like, it's, it's a disadvantage for, for invisible things. And then, right. and the other thing was like, he would attack, he had like animated swords and he was like saying he couldn't hit wedding our spellcaster. So you can't hit the, hit the sword without hitting the party. It was it was a bad time. I'm sorry to hear that, man. It's really unfortunate. Uh, well, did you th- do you think that uh, just just from your experience with that old school DM, do you feel like it was a maybe? Do you feel like it may have been like a lack of of his uh, imagination on it, or maybe just a lack of him wanting to go with the way that you, the route that you guys were going? Like you said, he you felt like he was more old school. And and you guys were thinking logically. Now, do you feel like that was the only thing about it, or is there? Do you feel like he was maybe just not, you know, having fun with it? I think it might have been not having fun with it because it was like it was more. It seemed more like it was less like he wasn't. Like I said, we were trying. We were being pretty imaginative with our with our, how we were dealing with things, and yeah. um, he. I don't know. It just seemed kind of like it was kind of like frustrated that we weren't taking as much damage as he felt we should kind of deal. Yeah. So he was trying to rework things. Yeah. Hmm. I, I hate that. I hate that, that idea that it's supposed to be the players versus the DM because it's the DM is a storyteller, but it shouldn't, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily where you need to be, you know, like it, they're the goalie. They're not the, opposite team yeah yeah that that is a good point uh actually you're the first one to really i think really bring that up of a notion of yeah players versus their dms because it really isn't like this is a narrative storytelling game you know with the added bonuses of getting to be able to pretend you're wizards and fighters and and you know fighting the monsters that the dm's throwing at you but for the most part, yeah, the DM should just be the adjudicator of of you know the storyline and what happens because of the dice rolls, you know, um, and it, and it's really unfortunate whenever either the table you're at gets that mindset or you come into a a group that has that mindset, uh, or it maybe just you know grows over time because it's something I don't think that you know really belongs in D D, you know ever so i don't know it's just it's just unfortunate there there's you know tables like that well i want to go from a uh i guess i could say a downer to maybe an upper do you i want to know if you have an imagination highlight where a any point in playing where you were just so enraptured with the storytelling or the the you know the the gameplay and in your minds of how you're envisioning it that with you know it just stuck with you there's two moments that come to mind and eric if you if you're listening if you listen to this you know which ones (laughs) (laughs) eric is like he i i hate how much sometimes he beats himself up because he is a very good voice actor like he Actually, you might not think of the first. First one was um like the first couple episodes. I didn't know what I was quite doing, but I basically, had, in fact, I'll admit that Asmodeal Grove, the original thing, I built. I got one of those uh, random city generators. Okay. And I just had some highlights of some various places, so I was making it up as I go, and I was I left this hint like there's this thing saying the well. There's noises coming out of the well, so I kind of left mm. that up. That was meant to be more like something for him to go down the line. And then the players just, you know, they stuck on it because like, you know, we definitely heard voices down there. We yeah. want to investigate the well. So they went down in a well. And as I'm, I'm playing, we're playing along, I'm adapting it in. And they, uh, they, they basically disrupted the, um, the eventual events where like everything broke loose and I, I enjoyed it a lot because it was a lot of fun playing it out, having a because it was Eric's character, Marcus, was like recognizing the skeletons underneath the city as like, you know, his former teammates. And we were playing it out and it basically led to them finding out like the all the uh, dimensional prison holding all the bad guys. It was going to break out before right before it happened. 
so they they so they had it like they had two of the skeletons with them. So they're like tell them, tell everyone to get out and protect the city. So like it was something that played out where like they got up up to the top and then they caught up and they kind of noticed realized that oh hey the skeletons these all these uh these uh people who died during the Henshin War came came back up and they were so they were helping protect the city. So it wasn't as bad as it would have been. Mm-hmm. And then that came down to the second moment because after like they they fought with the the boss for that art that part of the arc and they they had like the town folk who were freaked out by all these skeletons they're like saying accusing them of being a being uh, associated with Bodemeister, the the bbeg and eric gave this impassioned speech about he i feel bad because the dice kept he he rolled, rolled so many times but i lowered the dc each time because he did a really good job of just going like the we're really going to be like he's saying, like uh, we are going to be really be discriminatory here of all places. Yeah, and like I eventually he he succeeded barely because, like I said, the dice the dice did not like him. Oof. So I gave him kind of the um, but he did so well. The RP basically the town folk um uh, had uh had uh calmed down but basically the consequence was like if any shit happened then he was to blame and they were gonna hunt him they were going to hunt him down first interesting i love that that's really good now and and were you saying that that was your first one or was that your first and second one it was my first the first one was the fact they went into the well and how that just kind of like expanded because i I don't know if you can, it's hard. I don't know if people can tell when they listen to the first few episodes of Owl. I was BSing the whole time. I was making up as <laughs> I went along once they went down in the well. Man, you were using that imagination. Oh, yeah, definitely. I love that, though. I, I, I love those moments when just improvisation and just your wild imagination come together to make something so fun that could be way more enjoyable and much more fun than say, you know, a full, you know, three pages of notes. Um, and those I think are, are some of the more enjoyable times. Yeah. It's actually something like I, I uh, mentioned in the last soda break. The fun thing I kind of learned is if I had a really good idea, but wasn't sure about it, I would have them rule a history check. If one See, of that's them- good. If one of them passed the DC, then I went forward with it because then I could say, "Oh, you remember this, or you make this yeah. realization." It made for some fun moments, like, like there was like a whole family thing that came up, and I, I was like, there's a point where like, uh, Sid's character is confronting the chief of her village, and go like, "You said my father died," and she like, he's like, <laughs> "No, I said the warrior he was." was is dead and then he, te- he because he pointed out like he pointed out that uh her the person she found out she had been working with who's her actual father was um had lost a leg at one point he was using a pro- he was using a pro- uh, sp- prosthetic dang i love the fact just from just from your you know examples of your guys's campaigns it they just seem really really good like uh just in in many senses as a you know story sense and a narrative sense and even just a um like your uh what's the word i'm looking for the way that you uh describe them is is very very um like what's the word i'm looking for it just grabs me and i love it it's very very good uh i want to point out something you were talking about earlier about uh how your friend eric had gave that impassioned speech, you know, but the dice weren't working with him. I love the fact, I will, I say I love it. I love and I hate it that you can find so many times in D&D where you have the the battle of dice versus imagination and what you want to do. And even though someone can go ahead and give that, you know, this amazing, wonderful, you know, emboldening speech but then you roll, it's like, oh, crap, I rolled a five. <laughs> it's like, oh, I did so bad. Um, I love it, though. Well, do, I want to know actually a question about that that's coming to my mind. Do you ever feel like uh, players who want to take such actions should 
roll first and then narrate what they do or narrate first and then roll? If hmm, I think I, well, typically I let them narrate first, then roll because I typically Mm -hmm. use the roll to more, I I use it more either to react. Yeah, I think narrating then rolling works because then it it gives the DM when they have, when they have to, when they have a bad roll, it gives them more to work with. Right. Like, uh, like there's a history check that you did later, like when he uh, first got his sword, um, he rolled low, and so I told him, like, you see, you recognize this device as their henshin device, the thing they turn uh, turn into a uh, Power Ranger. But nice. then you think, huh, that's weird. I thought, I thought Bryce had it. I like that, uh, what you're saying there, because it's more of like, you take it as the DM, you take it as a reaction to their role. Like, they could still give that amazing speech, and it can still be amazing, but the the reaction to that role can be negative because of that. And then it's, it's often not really an, uh, it's not indicative of the PC's ability more often. Right. Yeah. Often it's either like, it's something like you did jump, you jumped well, but you, um, you misjudge it's more, it, it makes it easier in my opinion to make it more about like, it's like, Oh, you you misjudged the jump or something like that. Yeah, it makes it easier for them. I I just like I like it because it. I I kind of think of our thing more of an audio drama first and a tabletop RPG second. Yeah. Now I want to know how you uh, got into that aspect of audio drama. Like, did you have any? Um, did you have any inspirations of the audio drama that you wanted to emulate? decodering theaters decodering theaters interesting there was it was a it was a um audio drama that eric had introduced me to first they're a canadian one that uh they do uh there's like two main shows that they had that they ran through uh blackjack justice who's like a uh nor series and then there was the tales of the red panda which was a two-fisted uh it was a uh, more of a superhero setting and it had kind of neat interest that premise where it was like um a a uh masked man and his sidekick who there was a romantic element they were they're always so bombastic when they recorded that it was something i really wanted to emulate nice i love that i i think that's really fantastic i i've heard other people say that they want to be like a radio drama which i think is is an important thing obviously if you're wanting to do a a podcast especially one where you're you're an actual play podcast, you know, because you are acting, you are uh, in in post production anyway. You are adding in, you know, sound effects and and other bits, you know, that that really add to the experience for the listeners. That it is so much like the old school uh, audio dramas where you know everyone's sitting around the radio. And they're listening to Lone Ranger or whatever else was popular back in the day. I don't know. But it, it is so awesome to hear people have those examples of what they want to do. Because that that passion really hasn't died of people just wanting to listen to, you know, a story, you know, an adventure. Oh, yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's kind of funny in that way that um, two of our players on the podcast actually started out as listeners. Really? Yeah, Johnny and Arcel were both listeners, and then one of them was a friend of Eric's, and another one was Sid's brother. And like, we, you know, like we just, I told him like, you know, you if they want to be on the show, they can be on the show, and it's a lot of fun. Like, and Eric's like, oh, I don't know. I was like, well, just you know, I mean, give it a shot. I mean, do you? That's the funny part is like about it too. Is like how many of our players. Like Eric and Arcel are more nervous. I would, I mean, not to put them on a spot, like, you know, like more like it's just kind of interesting to see like the people on the podcast grow. Like Eric said, when we started, you're, I'm never going to guest star. I'm never going to be on another, I'm never going to be a part of another production. And he's already like, he's, he's actually on an audio drama now. Oh, wow. That's incredible. When, 
Yeah, and it was just kind of neat because he like we actually he bet. He says like you're gonna do it before I though, and I bet and I told him I bet you you're gonna be on the show before another one, and I'm gonna make it happen. I'm not. <laughs> and the funny part is I didn't make it happen. That's so cool. I love that. That's that's really really awesome. Uh, I it's very it's just a very kind gesture, honestly, to say like you guys love this so much. You you know I think you'd great to be on. You know, it's a very generous thing. Did did they have any issues uh, going from just listeners to being on the podcast? Like, did they have any hurdles to go over? Hey, um, Arcel is kind of has been kind of nervous, but you know he's he's gone a long way. I mean, he edits for Breaking Point, and in the funny part is once nice. he took over edit when he did editing for that, it actually for convinced me to do better for editing for mine because he was adding sound effects, music. And so that's part of the reason why Awa, like you, Awa knowing now has and Gesselheim and all the ones ones have music now, and it it that's the fun part is like um I think Dungeon Pop is always going to be open to guests. I mean if Austin if you want to you want to be on the show for a guest, we want, <laughs> we have some campaigns open. We have some campaigns that are literally just for people to pop on for an arc. I would I'll tell you right now I would love that opportunity. I just need to find the time for the opportunity because one, again, that's just a very kind and generous offer. And thank you so much. I, that is really, really nice of you. And I honestly would love to be on. It's just, man, I, and I'm sure you can understand with everything, but just like time constraints, a lot of stuff is like a big killer for things like D and D because you have to plan for so many people a lot of times and it can be, it can be difficult. Uh, did you guys ever have any mo or of, of, of moments where that became an issue for you? Yeah. That's actually part of why we started the arc things and open a bunch more campaigns. Cause there was a lot of times where I do, we literally had to stop for a month. And even though, even when we stopped for a month last month, it didn't entirely help. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, Interesting. I, our second season of our, with because Susanna from Thornvale is um, guesting on it, and they're playing a very special character for oh. the last part of these things. So I got to finish writing up the stuff to give her because we're planning some stuff. Actually, I actually have an interview lined up with her. Uh, I think next, yeah, next month in August, I have an interview lined up for her. So I'm I'm interested to see if that's going to be out by then. That'll be interesting. It probably won't be out by then. It. Uh, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be a couple months down because I want to give her at least a month heads up so that she can read through the uh, this document I got to get her. Nice though, that's still really cool though. I'd like to ask you though, did you imagine that this this experience, this ex- the the podcasting experience, was going to be the way that it is? Honestly, no. I mean, a lot of people want to guest or letting us interview. It's just it's just amazing how many people are involved in like. Like I said, Eric, like Eric is involved in all this stuff. Like, um, he's actually there's a there's a third podcast that he's actually involved with and that I had no I had no hand in it. He literally met some started talking to someone on uh Cast Junkie and joined their show on their own accord. It's got it's gone beyond my wildest dreams. That's good. I I love to hear that. Did you ever have any uh I guess you could say, did you ever have any like doubtful moments in your mind? Oh yeah! After I started to learn how to edit, and then I um, looked back at the first few episodes, they uh, they made me cr- they make still make me cringe. I tried to fix them as well as I could, and I I always I will admit I always kind of have some doubts. There's imposter syndrome in effect, but um, a lot of the support I get from yeah. my fellow podcasters and talking to people as we plan is just. I think it's going to go on for a long while, at least as long as I can do it. And when that, when I can't do it, as long as I can afford to pay someone to do it. <laughs> I hear you there, man. I hear you there. Well, like I said before, though, it just it does sound like you guys are having a lot of fun. It seems like you guys are being very, really, really uh, imaginative with your your everything from your settings to to the you know the people at your play at your table, and it just sounds enjoyable and. I, I want to know for for you when you're the dungeon master, what best inspires your imagination? Pinterest. Really, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I've developed. 
I've developed so many monsters and creatures. Just not that I'm 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 open. I I feel bad saying that because it's not that I'm openly like stealing something, but I'll see something that gives me this idea. Like I admit, I do sometimes recycle characters, but you never would know it. Like um. Most of the NPC, like some of the NPCs for the last Gesselheim, were actually. I've been converting a bunch of uh, characters I made for this uh, Beast Machines transforma- uh, Transformers RPG I ran to D and D. Ooh. Like the Minotaur, the Minotaur uh, in the first first Gesselheim, that was a that was like a, a future version of Motormaster. Oh man, that's so cool! And, it, and we're like, I'll find an, I'll, I'll find any strange images. Like, um, I feel bad because some of these characters have not shown up, and I can't. So I'm not sure how much I can say about them. But like, I, I was inspired by. Uh, in the in the next Gesselheim, there is a druid of uh, Circle of Corruption, who may be inspired by a certain indie game by a certain type of canid, with a person who has a certain type of canid in their name. Interesting. It's kind of interesting because a lot of NPCs I've made lately are always like the they're like uh, kind of like there's this Darkwing Duck episode that kind of sticks to mind that I that makes me think of when I make create characters. Sometime it was like this one that implied that like you know everything we create, everything we think about, may be existing somewhere. So I mm-hmm. made like a ton of NPCs based off of maybe villains that was like you know like. It's a, it's a, it's kind of like a loose take on them, where like you know, like bad ending. Let's give it a bit, slightly better ending. That does that does seem to very much fit in with your 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 general theme of like what you said before of like a very pop cultural thing. And oh man, I, it just makes me want to like dig in to like what those are going to be. Uh, it's so interesting to me. No, I I would say I also use Pinterest. Pinterest is a great source of inspiration for those kind of things. Oh yeah, definitely. And sometimes you get the strangest thing. Like if I ever link someone to my Pinterest, they're going to be like, "Why are there all these FNAF things for D and D?" Or why do you have all these My Little Pony saunas? And it's like, well, I can get some inspiration from it. Like a. Uh, yeah. Like in the, the next guest alignment, one I can one I can give away because I post I've actually posted about it on Twitter. There is a there's a city they're going to is called Snow Gloom and it's ran by a hag named Grinny Tilda, <laughs> which is both an XP of the Grinny the uh, the uh, listener from another podcast and friend of the podcast and Gruntilda from uh, Angel Kazooie. I figured that man. Oh man, I have such like she was horrifying to me as a child. <laughs> that's just well, that's funny the goofy to me. thing is her public pre- preference as a, as a mayor is basically uh homage to game over gruntilda but then i made she has this wonderful backstory that um the people of the town is a town full of more more mon- i don't want to say monstrous to like seem like i'm being ableist but like more like you know like the like as there's like um skeletons and stuff there living there and they love her as mayor she got elected from the mayor because she talks so much shit about the town about how horrible it is because she has the hag perspective of like beauty is horrible that people stay out of the town and leave them alone so they elected her mayor oh my god that's a that's beautiful that's so good i love that it seems really interesting too because it's like you're you're taking that uh that original concept of the character, the just the original character. And you're kind of like twisting it a little bit to fit with that sense of imagination that you're wanting the players to get uh, out of their D and D experience. And it's, it's, it's very interesting the way you do that. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I'm wait, I can't wait till tomorrow. Cause that's when we're actually recording that guest shot. And I want to see how many people pick up on some of the pulp culture references in it. Because some of them are oh my gosh, that's good. interesting. Like I've already like it includes it includes our actual first My Little Pony reference. Oh man, that'd be good. Because I got a tiefling and a dragonborn from a a certain city, from another city in the setting, and then one of like a artificer, and the other one is more like I think I made him like a monk or something like that. So like it's it, they're very rare and spiky. That's all I'll say. 
Interesting. Oh, man, that's so good. Well, if you ever are on Pinterest, you can probably I do have a like a Pinterest account. If you ever look up the Ironbound chest, you can find all of my pins. I have been pinning for a long time. If you ever want to take a gander at them. So feel free. We do. So so besides Pinterest, do you whenever you're writing stuff, do you ever like pop in some some earbuds and listen to tunes? Or do you do you like to have uh, movies uh, going in the background or stuff like that. I have yet to hear anyone say about anything like Pinterest. It's just an interesting thing, though. But I want to know, like, do you use other things or do you just do Pinterest? Uh, other things, like, um, if I list, I listen to music or I'm watching a movie, and I'm like, oh, I can, I can do a D and D take on this. Let's put it this way: this is how weird my brain is. I actually have a helpful <laughs> NPC that's going to be based is one of the victims in Leprechaun Three. When they get to the get to Detroit's, and that that that's that's how weird the setting is. Like I, part of the lore that they haven't touched on without spoiling things is it actually has a reason for how mixed match everything. Cause so they're like their cities cities that are in the setting are like there's a Detroit's. It's a artificial city <laughs> filled with vigilantes. Um, there's. Uh, I wonder that a part of the continent there's a furry road, which is a Luxodon city vehicle roaming the uh, the land of the roving dead as they try to take back their their homeland. Oh man, these are like putting any of my ideas to to rest because they are not anywhere near as good as just what you're describing right now. That's so cool, man. To give a te- teaser. It literally has a reason why it's mixed match, and it's wonderful, and it ties into the lore that I'm just hoping they eventually get to. That's so cool. The way a bit you're describing it, like I can see perfectly in my mind the the images of what you're describing, and part of me is thinking of I think it's just the the epic imagery that you're giving me. Part of me thinks of Samurai Jack in the way of. You know, he's in the future, but there's it's like so mismatched with all these different all these different like cultures, alien cultures. But then Gendy Tarkovsky himself had so many different inspirations from different movies and sources in in his creation of Samurai Jack. And it just reminds me of like the epicness, the epic adventure that Samurai Jack went through fighting all these different wild and and wacky you know bad guys and and sceneries and stuff like that and it just seems like your imagination is just so zany and wild that it's so epic it is so epic it's funny you bring up samurai jack because i was also a hardcore fan of that so that might be where part of it's coming from because i liked i liked a lot of some of the episodes where they went back on some of the villains and or the antagonists and brought them back like uh the samurai is the one when it comes to mind that this one that i'm really proud of i can't wait till they get to um or we'll, we may actually run a guess behind one shot that's the one another thing too i think that we did is we were originally going to do like a mini campaign between seasons which are what, what the jesselheim one shots are and it's sort of become its own campaign thing for guests to come in and participate in a world and make changes like the first one they left a mini boss for the main campaign to deal with Ooh, interesting. But the C I really can't wait for people to see is Fernstad. It's my electric tomb town. And I even have the approval of the uh the I think it's Sarah Atkinson, the person who released the two kind race in uh on uh Twitter for D D. I've ran it by her. Oh wow. I'm ho- I'm I- That's so cool. I hope to kind of I hope once they get up the nerve to ask her to be a guest on it. <laughs> Oh, that'd be so awesome, though. And you're saying you said an Eldritch Toontown? Yeah, I've, I figured God. out how to take the Far Realms, a Warlock pack, and oh, horrible man. experimentation. And with the help of Wizard, we made it, used it to figure out how to explain how there is a corrupted, there's a, there's a town based around a corruptive pool of black fluid that um, at one point the town zipped off the earth for a night came back it's been 40 years later inside and most of the people inside have been warped into these cartoonish figures my god that's so awesome like 
I'm getting so like pumped up about just thinking about this and it's, it is so good. I, I definitely cannot wait for all this to come through uh, fruition. <laughs> it will be so epic. It will. It's I, I've been plotting a lot on the back end. Let's put it that way. I probably have about over 56 NPCs planned. Dang my gosh. Now, now, do you feel like it's hard for you, ju- not even when you're imagining them, but like to keep track of all of them? A little bit, but I've been, uh, I don't know. A lot of them, I have like the base concept and I have a design. I, I try to wait to stat stuff until they actually uh, run into them because I think it works better for that way if I want to scale it up. But I... I don't know. It, it seems pretty easy to remember who's who because I try to make each character memorable without being. Uh, I, I try. I like. I know a lot <laughs> of people say like people make unique characters just just to. Um, oh, look how special! And I don't. I don't try to do that because a lot of like I take one of the top takes. I um, that I think Arsel actually put this comment that he like what he likes so much about the podcast is a lot of they kind of show like at first city they were in. A lot of NPCs, they were broken people, but they weren't broken people. I like I like making uh, flawed characters like that, where it's it's um like it's something where like the movie Cool World. I think it could have done so much better if they made they forced the idea that that uh, Hollywood herself had been uh, one of these people who was a normal person and turned into a cartoon. That like it would make the the ending less of an ass pull, but it would also make more sense about why she was acting so crazy, because she remember she remembered being human without actually remembering that she had been human. It seems like you have the most active imaginative mind that I've ever come across, and I'm not lying when I say that. Like I just just I feel like you should be working for disney or for like cartoon network or someone like coming up with new cool shows because that would be these would be definitely things i would love to see like animated like not just you know in my mind not just in my 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 imagination but like i feel like what your your concepts and what you're coming up with are so like vibrant in my mind that they need to be like realized fully realized they're so good well i am getting art drawn for everything (laughs) Ooh. I, have a, I have a friend in Hungary, um, but like I've been commissioning him to do all the NPCs and the PCs. Oh, wow. I have so much heart I can't really post because no one's ran into the character yet. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I get it. I totally get that. You have to kind of have a secrecy a little bit, though. But uh, I'm excited for your players just to run into these things because it's just... Uh, it just seems so amazing to me. It, do you like lack imagination in anything? Because it seems like you don't. I, I would say I lack imagination. It's sometimes I'm not sure. I'm better at creating characters than creating a plot. Like I have, the, that's one of the reasons why season two is taking is taking a bit to get out there because I was I, when I was starting out, a lot of the stuff I was just pulling off of the end. But now that there's like a bigger plot. I sometimes get like really anxious about like, okay, I don't really know where to get A to B, so how am I going to do this? I'm test. Mm-hmm. I'm actually testing out a way to do it in the Gesselheim one being recorded tomorrow, so I let you know how well that goes. <laughs> well, pl- I, honestly, please do. Like, I please tweet at me, send me a message, something. I, I honestly would love to hear about that though. Uh, but do you feel like with your I guess you could say less imaginative uh, notions on plot. Do you feel like you could rely more on your characters to kind of help you out with that? Like not maybe your characters, but your players to help you out with that? Oh yeah, definitely. I, that's one of the things I, I enjoyed about doing up until ch- the end of season one, which may actually get renamed season zero. Now that I think about it, I should mention that because <laughs> it was so short, <laughs> but I like with my players that a lot of it is interaction between them and back and forth is um, like mm-hmm. we flowed so much stuff where it was so much world building and history building with them um, where I was off the cuff. And I think it worked really well for how the show differentiates itself from other ones in that aspect. Hmm. And I remember like how Griffin mentioned like he didn't have the plot until 
like halfway through the series. Yeah, I do kind of have the plot. I know what the I know like like once they get into the bigger plot, what what it is. It's it is going to sound a little task because it will be involved seven items. Well, one teaser I can say is um, the world that the podcast is set in has seven goddesses, the ladies fair, former Ooh. adventurers who rise to godhood when they technically killed the previous bbeg that just sounds beautiful it honestly does and and but like with your again with those notions of of what might be you know some people call it plagiarism some people call copying some people call you know just ripping off though i don't think it someone like you should have to worry about that because it is again it is your own creation even though you might use something that is similar doesn't mean that you're you know directly saying uh you know this is from the adventure zone like i'm copying griffin you know oh yeah like it it's different oh yeah and it, it's it's gonna be interesting because some, some of some of the references like the ladies fair well after the show i'm gonna i'll send you the the influence you're gonna get a laugh out of it let's put it that way I, I'm definitely please, please, please do. <laughs> I I love, I love uh, just like gaining more information from my my guests uh, that they can't really uh, divulge during the show. Yeah. It's just, it's just you know, it's just something an added extra layer though. But it is, it is interesting though to like you say, you like you're you say you were lacking in plot, but it, from what you've told me, you know, it seems like you have a good grasp on characters on the uh the locale you know the scenes and stuff like that it doesn't seem like you know like i said you you have the help with your characters it doesn't seem like you need to worry about the plot so much because it with with what D is you know this collaborative story i feel like it's perfectly fine to not have so much things so far planned ahead to where you know you're after every session you're like here's where the players have to go or here's what they have to do you know having a more open-ended way or avenue for your for your characters and your players is something that uh and i think we talked about it earlier that leads to a more enjoyable experience sometimes oh yeah definitely i mean i agree like it's it's been kind of fun because like like the aforementioned family thing like sid had no idea who her character's parents were and i've figured out both their parents and it kind of developed from just the play like like we we set up that she had a goofy uh goofy brother who was a dumbass and uh slept with someone <laughs> who started asking about her fa- their family so and then that, that kind of led to like why did you do this and like and he's like and that was the fun part cuz that was like Johnny's first introduction like he has played so many NPCs before he actually played his character like when the next time we record is when he's actually playing his PC for the whole campaign that's very interesting i like that and it's it's kind of funny like how he because um when she when he played um the NPC Joe Madrin, like <laughs> we would talk like how things kinda of developed, like because they confronted him in his tent and then uh they had a flashback, found out some more things, and his tap tent collapsed. And then because no one told Gabby to put back the parts, he's gonna lose his damn mind because he's missing parts to put the tent back up. <laughs> man this just sounds like it's just a really really fun time for you and your players and again like you i honestly do think like you need to be hired by someone to just get into your brain because it's just so good like just the the fun and enjoyment that i can just sense coming from you and then therefore going on to your players is something really special, I think. It is. I, I'm I'm honestly surprised how well things have gone and just you know this is the long this is the one thing that I've worked with the longest for the longest time where it's a project I worked on because I mean at one point I was going to do I tried to write a, a superhero novel. The fun thing is that we've actually Eric and me have been actually talking because it's part of our shared superhero universe. That's another campaign down the road that people can look forward to is our superhero stuff. Interesting, very very interesting. Well, that wraps up all the the secondary questions I had for you. For my last question to you, sir, I would love to know what your advice might be you might give to people who are maybe uncomfortable stepping into the world of imagination. 
who who would love to take that leap. There is no wrong way to do something. There are dumb ways to do things, but sometimes the dumbest things come to be turn out to be the smartest. Any idea at its core can be the most idiotic thing and still be made into something that is thoughtful and provocative and teaches people stuff. Just look at Rick and Morty. That was made from a that was literally made from a parody of Back to the Future. <laughs> Listeners, I want you please 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 to go and check out Dungeons and Pop on iTunes and Spotify as well as pretty much anywhere else you guys can get podcasts, am I correct? Yep, they I we have it on I think we're we're through Podbean so it's put on a lot of places. If anyone has noticed it not on a network, please let us know and we'll work to get it on it. Yeah, please let them know listeners. Please do because you need to listen to these things it's 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 so good listeners also check out their facebook and you guys have a patreon as well don't you we don't have a patreon but we do have a copy we originally had a patreon but we really didn't have anything to post on it with how busy everyone is um we may have something down the line now that eric's eric's getting like a lot more involved in the podcast like he's gonna be editing the next two episodes after next week Awesome. Well, yeah, then listeners go check out their coffee. New episodes for you guys release Monday pretty regularly. And you guys also have a channel on the Cast Junkie server for talking all about your episodes and your you post a lot of teasers for future NPCs. Yeah, a lot. And then uh, I even I even put the world map as it is so far until I make more cities. <laughs> oh, dude, that's so cool. I love it. Well, uh, listeners, please check all of that stuff out. Uh, I will also be putting some more just some general info in the description uh, for you to check out. Sean, thank you so much for being here and joining me and just talking about a lot of cool stuff. I've, I've really had a good time. I, I did, too. It's, it's funny before you mentioned seeing the stuff animated. That's actually my next podcast goals to have something Ooh. so good we get a fan animation or a fan drawing of it that's the oh, next well, step you definitely deserve it like you guys you guys really do and i can't wait to see it but thank you listeners so much for joining us i will see you the next time you open the ironbound chest Bound chest